So I've actually come here this morning to share the love of Jesus with you. Is that all right? Okay. So we're going to jump right in in Ephesians 2, uh, verse 4 through 6, or 4 through 10. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show his boundless riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this salvation is not of yourself. It is the gift from God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk with him. There's several key things in here that, that I wanted to bring this scripture forward with you to begin with, to set a foundation for where we're going in this, in this message. And so what I'm going to do is go ahead and go straight to this, uh, this key point here that's already filled in because it kind of summarizes what that verse tells us, okay? And, and it's important that you recognize this. And that is that God knew you and loved you before the creation of the world. That before you were even formed in your mother's womb, he created a special purpose for you that only you can fulfill as he intended within his creation. He created you in his image and likeness so that he could love you throughout eternity. Now, in able to do that, you had to have a choice to be in that relationship, right? Because a relationship requires a choice. And so knowing everything, God knew it was going to get messed up, right? But Jesus, from the beginning, volunteered his life and his blood as a sacrifice for the sins of us, for the sins of all humanity for all time, so that we could be in right standing with God and be in that relationship. So it is by grace, the gift of grace of God, through our faith in the finished works of Jesus Christ that we have salvation and we're made righteous in Christ so we can boldly come before the Lord, right? Everybody agree with that? So there's several things here that I want to point out. Number one, that destiny, I wanted you to make sure you caught that, it was designed for you before the world was even created. Now, that's pretty special when you think about it. You were literally part of the intricate part of creation. Think about it, right? That's amazing. So what we have to realize, though, is that the only way we can really truly fulfill that, obviously to start with, we need to give our life to Jesus and be a child of God. But once we do that, we still have some other things that we have to do. And the first thing we have to do is recognize that it is through the power of the blood of Jesus, by that grace, that we're able to fulfill that destiny and overcome Satan. Uh, in, in Matthew 26, uh, at the, uh, during Passover, during the Last Supper, 
Jesus established communion, right? And he, he told the disciples, he, he picked up the cup and he blessed it and he said, drink of this. This is the blood of my covenant. So he established that beforehand to make sure we recognize how critical that is. And he said that, you know, that this is being poured out for the, for the forgiveness of sins for many. John 15, 5 tells us, I am the vine, you are the branch. Those who remain in me and I in you can bear much fruit, but without me you can do nothing. Where's the source coming from for the fruit that grows on the vine? I mean, from the branch. It comes from the vine, right? So Jesus is the source of what we can do. But it says, without me you can do nothing. Well, what are we supposed to be doing? What did it say Jesus in Scripture? What did it say Jesus came for? To destroy the works of the enemy, right? Let's take a quick look at our enemy. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It is against rulers, against powers, against world forces of the darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, the first few uh, categories, uh, ruler, power, uh, world forces of darkness, we, we pretty much realize that's going on around us. That's around us, right? We're battling that on a daily basis. What I want to focus on here for a second is the spiritual forces in, in, in uh, heavenly places. So in Genesis, when, it, when we read that God created the heavens, notice it's plural, and earth. So we look up, we see heaven. If we uh, look in uh, 2 uh, Corinthians 12, uh, Paul tells us, 14 years ago, I knew a man who got called up to the third heaven. Everybody remember that? So God's realm is the third heaven. In between there is the second heaven, which is the realm of these guys. This is Satan's headquarters, people, right? Think about it. It's strategic. It's in between us and heaven, strategically there to disrupt our communications with him. If our signal is not a strong signal, they're jamming us. Does that make sense? So we have to believe what we're praying. What we're going to talk about today is the benefit package, if you will, of your salvation in Christ. We need to receive and operate and accept and believe what we have through our salvation. So I'm trying to lay a foundation here of how critical it is and where we're going. So the enemy's up there in between us, but let's take a look at Matthew 16, 8, because Jesus spoke a prophetic word. If you remember, he asked the disciples, he said, who do you say I am? And Peter spoke up and said, you're the son of God. Jesus said, you didn't get that on your own. My father gave you a word of knowledge, right? Hey, all right. But what did he say? He said, on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Listen, that means we're supposed to be taking enemy territory because you know what? What are gates? Gates are a defensive mechanism. So we're talking about gates on a fortress, on a stronghold. So if the devil has a stronghold on your life, you need to take that territory back because the only thing that are keeping those strongholds in place are the lies and deception of the enemy. How do we dispel that? Through the truth of God's word. We need to get in God's word more. Whatever you're struggling over, do a Google search. However you need to do it, find that key word 
it's in that struggle. Look up. Find the scripture that, that speaks against that lie. Find that truth so you can silence that lie. So I want to take a look here in Revelations with you to finish setting the stage of where we're going. <clears throat> Verse 5 uh, talks that you know Jesus was born, and then he's called up to be on his throne beside God. Okay, So, so Jesus is on the throne. And then verse 7, it starts off, says, And there was a war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war with them, but did not prevail. And there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan. Who deceived the world, who deceived the whole world, uh, he was thrown down uh, to the earth along with his angels. Now listen to this. Here, here's a key part here. This is us. This is us when we get where we're supposed to be. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven. Now salvation, the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come. That's us. It's talking about us. When we receive what, we're, what, what we have been given, the benefits of our righteousness in Christ, we walk in Christ, that's us. It says, for the accuser and the, the accuser of our brothers and our sisters have been thrown down, the one who accuses us before God night and day. Right now, that's what he's doing. You realize that, right? Right now, he's, he's, he's running. You say something bad about somebody, guess what? He takes that and uses it against them. Be careful what you say. Lift people up with what you say about them. You know, find that good thing. I, you know, we're all good at something, and we're all terrible at something. Focus on the good part. Speak life into that person, especially if it's family and friends, because they need your help. So anybody, for that matter. I don't mean to disregard anybody. But so, so um, now listen, verse 11 is the key, right? And we know this scripture, but we're going to look at it a little different today, uh, probably than we have before. And it says, and they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. Now, I'm going to touch on that last part real quick, and then we're going to leave it alone. Yes, absolutely. We know right now, if you watch the news, we know right now there's people dying in the world today because of their belief in Jesus. We know that. But I want to relay this to you in a different manner. And that is, we have to die to ourself to fully live in Christ. Everybody agree with that? So how do we do that? We do that through the blood of Jesus, right? By grace. Now, the thing is here, what I want you to look at here is we're going to focus on the first part. It's because we're talking about how did they overcome Satan? How did Michael and the angels... Now, you, you could look at that and you say, well, Michael and the angels did it. Well, I want to say that verse 10 is actually the key to the victory. I say Michael and the angels was our reinforcements. Okay? So, we're going to look at this. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, the Word being the Word of God, and our testimony. Okay? So in other words, we overcome Satan through our personal testimony of what the Word says that the blood of the Lamb does for us. Can everybody agree with that? 
There's nothing more powerful, right? I mean, listen, Jesus shed his life and perfect, took on our sin, but he's perfect. And so all of our sins are forgiven for all times, right? We just have to accept that gift of grace. We can't outdo what Jesus did. That's why we got to believe with faith in his finished works, okay? So we need to look and we need to know what is it exactly that the blood of Jesus, what does the scripture say the blood of Jesus does for us? Okay, that's what we're going to take a look at and focus on. So through the blood of Jesus, we have redemption. What does that mean? That means we were bought back. Now, when we look at this, we need to keep in mind that um, what we need to consider, are we really living in this, okay? Are we really believing this and, and being empowered by this? So we're bought back because we're born into sin, right? Once we receive Jesus, we're no longer our old self. All things become new. There's no condemnation in those who are in Christ, right? So we've been redeemed. We've been set free of captivity of Satan because before then Satan owned us, right? You realize that, right? Everybody that doesn't belong to Jesus belongs to Satan. So the problem is, is that, well, that's the problem actually, but, but the thing is, is that uh, we've been set free from that. We've been set free from sin and through the blood of Christ as well, we've been forgiven of all our sins. Here's the catch, not catch, but here's the condition. It's when we, we're, we have full redemption when we're in Christ. So Ephesians 1, 7 says, In him we have redemption through, the blood, through his blood, the forgiveness of our wrongdoings according to the riches of his grace. So here's the thing. To get the full benefit of our redemption, we have to confess any sins and get forgiveness, right? Because the only way we get full legal right of that redemption over Satan so he can't you know, we're not, he doesn't have no claim over our life. We have to be forgiven of all of our sins. So any unforgiven, any unconfessed or unforgiven sins gives him legal right in that area of your life, even though you're a Christian, right? I mean, think about it. So we don't want to give him that leverage because he's going to take advantage of it. But the good news is, uh, 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, the Lord's faithful and righteous to forgive us all our sins. So there's the good news. Now, here's another little problem, which is pretty much, I think, was my problem, and I think it's probably a lot of people's problem, is unforgiveness. We can ask forgiveness for our sins, but we have to be willing to forgive others that's done something to us, right? It's so critical when Jesus was asked, show us how to pray. Uh, in verse 12 of the prayer, he said, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then he goes on in verse 15 to say, forgive others if you want your father to forgive you. He won't forgive you if you don't forgive others, right? So forgiveness is a big deal because whether it's unconfessed, unforgiven sins that we're still living in, or whether it is unforgiveness that we're willing to give someone else, it is giving the devil legal rights in that area of your life. So if you're struggling with something from the past, you need to Take a good look at that. And, and the reason I'm saying that is the unforgiveness part a lot of times keeps us trapped. So I'm going to jump back just for a second. I won't spend too much time, but 
But the strongholds, when we talked about the strongholds, right? So that's the gates of hell that we need to tear down, those strongholds. And so that could be anything in your life that um, from, your, from, from the past that before you gave your life to the Lord, uh, maybe it's a case, you know, my mom and dad divorced early on and I had some issues I didn't even realize I had. Uh, I, I've been going through an ICM uh, Christian counseling course, and it's been like a year of counseling session, basically, for me. Uh, but fear of abandonment, abandonment issues, unworthy, unloved, you know? There's, there's just, you know, the devil uses everything. Because here's what happens. No matter what happened in your life, he took it and he magnified it, and he made it worse. It could have been abuse. It could have been neglect. Basically, neglect and abuse pretty much covers everything if you want to just break it down, right? I mean, literally everything pretty much falls into one of those two. But, but the thing is, is that the devil takes that and starts working on you. And then if you had, you know, for some reason had any, what you would say, any part in that, then he's going to bring extra shame on top of that. He's going to make you believe you were guilty anyway if you weren't. So, basically... You know, um, you got to tear down that stronghold. How do we get, so, so how are the strongholds built? Let's just get to the, the, the nuts and bolts. It's by the lies of the devil and his deception, right? Everybody agree with that? That's literally what it is. How do we dispel, how do we do away with the lies and the deception? Through the truth of the word of God, right? We need to get in the word of God more because there's, there is an answer to everything you're struggling with. Right? There's an answer to everything. We can, we can silence the enemy, first off, by being a child of God and receiving the full benefit package. We're, we're fixing to start going through every bit of it. Um, that's, how we, that's how we silence the enemy. So find that truth that, that applies to whatever you're struggling with. So uh, Psalms 103 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those, uh, those who he has redeemed... Out of the hands of the enemy. So we're supposed to already be set free of the hands of the enemy, right? He shouldn't be controlling us. But once again, some of those strongholds still need to be broken. And, and, but you have the power to do it. And we have the truth of the word to dispel those lies. This next part. Um, through the blood of Jesus, we're cleansed. That ties right in with what I was talking about. Because the enemy is going to keep dragging stuff up. If he can, he had a, it's called a scheme, people, right? It's called a scheme. He had a scheme on you he was using before you, before you met the Lord. And he's still trying to use it on you. So if, I've heard people say, you know, sometimes I just wonder, you know, I hear things and I just wonder if it's the Lord talking to me or if it's the devil trying to get in my head. You want me to clarify that for you real quick? If it's a devil, it's going to be guilt, shame, and condemnation tied to it. If it's the Holy Spirit, it's going to be conviction. There might be some guilt because we got to own up to things and we got to set it right because we got to confess and we got to got to repent. But if it's if it's shame involved, that's the crossing line. That's the line. If it goes into shame, it's the devil. Don't listen to it. If you're a born again Christian, you know what you do. And, and you hey, let me ask you this: Have you ever like it could be in the middle of worship, prayer, whatever your morning devotion, whatever, and all of a sudden the enemy just puts something really stupid in your head? I mean, just like. Where did that come from, right? I mean, like, listen, that's the enemy. Don't receive it. Here, I love what uh, Dan Muller said. He said, 
I was in a prayer team, uh, praise uh, service, and we were praising, and the Lord hit and played an old video in my head. And he said, he said, I didn't even receive it. He said, I just said, thank you, Jesus. That's not who I am anymore. Right? I mean, just silence it right away with that. Don't even take it. Okay? Because we're cleansed. Now, cleanse means that our conscience is cleansed. Only Jesus can do that. Set us free of guilt, our conscience, right? Our, our, our sins are forgiven, but our conscience, we still, we still don't believe who we are, right? I mean, think about it. Our identity in Christ, we're righteous and holy, but yet we still let the world tell us that we're not worthy, that we're, we're not good enough, right? We absolutely are. You were created for a special holy purpose and calling, are totally capable of doing it. The Lord's waiting for you to step into it. He's going to, listen, if, if the Lord's been speaking to you and you're like, no, nah, that, I can't never do that. That's probably actually a pretty good indication it's actually God telling you because if it's bigger than you, it's God, right? He's the one's going to make it happen. You're just the vessel to work through. So this cleansing is a big deal, all right? So uh, I'm going to go ahead and read, read a couple scriptures here. Uh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through his eternal spirit, offered himself without blame to God, cleansing our conscience from the dead works to serve the living God? Think about it. He's already done it because he's ready to put you to work. He's ready for you to start working on that destiny that you're supposed to be fulfilling. You know, we search our whole life for who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose? But we look in all the wrong places for the answers. So right now, this is where it's at. So, so here's, here's another key we got to keep in mind. This is If you see an if in a scripture, then that means there's a condition that has to be met. It's like we typically quote uh, in John, uh, you should know the truth and truth shut you free. But you realize the verse before it sets a condition. If you remain in my word... You are my disciples, and you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. we got to stay in the Word. So here's, here's, uh, here's a key here. Uh, John, uh, 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us of all sins. So the key is, that we have to remain in fellowship so we remain in light. Notice uh, the point says, if we are out of fellowship, we're out of light. If we are out of the light, the blood no longer cleanses us. So think about this. Just, just realistically think about this. What does it mean to be out of light? Well, we've let the enemy get us with that scheme. And, you know, we've either gotten back into an old bad habit we shouldn't be in or uh, we just simply feel bad about ourselves because we're listening to what the enemy's telling us about us instead of believing who we are in Christ. And so we tend to, oh, I was supposed to serve over here or I was supposed to go over here for this fellowship. I just don't, I'm just not feeling it. I'm just going to stay home. Now, what have we done? Instead of going into fellowship to be in light, we, we've slunk back into the darkness. It might be just briefly... But the thing about it is, that's a period of time we're not being cleansed. Where if we, if we stick in the fellowship, then we lift each other up. That's why it's so critical, right, that we come together in fellowship. 
Plus, once again, two or three more gathered together in my name. I'm in your presence, right? So the cleansing is critical. We have to, uh, to, to keep that in mind. Um, I don't know if I read the last proclamation or not. Each one of these proclamations after here, uh, what I want to do is encourage you to take your notes and go do some studying on your own and to incorporate these proclamations into your daily devotion. I don't know if I mentioned that or not, uh, but it, it's critical because through the blood of Jesus, you have been redeemed out of the hands of Satan. Through the blood of Jesus, all your sins have been forgiven. And for this one here, while I walk in the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses me now and continually from all sins. That's it. Listen, when you say that, what you're telling Satan is, is I don't believe your lies. Right? Now think about it. That's a pretty big deal. It's a lot bigger deal than we're making out, okay? That, that's a pretty big amen. Um, through the blood of Jesus, you've been justified. Through the resurrection, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you're justified, meaning you're no longer guilty of the sin you were born into, right? And you are righteous through the blood of Jesus. You're righteous. We're in right standing with God. So, I don't get this too deep, but if we was to look at either Hebrew or Greek, it's each one being of their own, Greek and Hebrew, have an individual word. And honestly, I didn't get into all this because I couldn't pronounce them. So, but the, what I want to get you to realize in either one of those languages, justice and righteousness is the same word. It's our English translation that kind of separates it. So that means that automatically when we're justified through the resurrection of Christ, we're automatically righteous in Christ. Now, it's not our righteousness. It's Christ's righteousness, right? So um, Romans 4.25 says, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification? So, what I'm going to do is, I'm not necessarily going to read every single scripture for time's sake, but I put them in here because I think it's critical that you see the proof, right? In other words, it says in the blood of Jesus, this is... This is what happens. This is, this is your empowerment. And, and so I didn't want to just say this and not give you the scriptures. Uh, so you'd have to go look every single one up. But um, I actually had to cut this back quite a bit just to try to fit it in the time frame. So, but, but each one of these scriptures relays the fact that it is through the Jesus' blood that we have these benefits and this empowerment. And it's critical that you recognize that. So I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, Romans 5, 8, 9. I don't know where we're at on the slides. But, but, God, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified in his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God. And then, of course, the proclamation, through the blood of Jesus, I am justified. 
Now, this is a big deal. Listen to this. Through the blood of Jesus, I am justified. Picture, okay, let me back this up. Picture yourself on trial for something, and, you, and you, you know, I mean, you literally could just, it could be a life sentence, which it was. It literally was, right? We were lost in sin. It was a, it's, it was a life sentence. We were, you know, we were going to spend eternity, okay? Through the blood of Jesus, I am justified, acquitted, not guilty, reckoned righteous, made righteous, just as if I had never sinned. It's pretty awesome. The next benefit I want to talk about is that we're sanctified, set apart for God. Through the blood of Jesus, I'm sanctified, separated from sin. Satan has no part in us, right? Set apart from sin, set apart to God, made holy with God's holiness. We're temple of the Holy Spirit. You're temple of the Holy Spirit. I just love the way that Corinthians starts off. Or do you not know that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Literally, we're walking around. You already know you're the church, right? You already know you're the church. You know that you're a vessel of the Holy Spirit. So that's quite empowering when you think about it, uh, just to be able to go to the Lord on our own. So the proclamation, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, redeemed, cleansed, sanctified by the blood of Jesus. Therefore, the devil has no place in me, no power over me. My body is for the Lord and the Lord is for my body. Through the blood of Jesus, we have abundant life. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come so that you'll have life and have it more abundantly. Now listen, I know you've heard the steal, kill, and destroy thing before, but it's a big deal because what he's trying to do is steal your identity in Christ. That's why he keeps that stronghold going, that scheme going to keep you from realizing how powerful you are. It's not, it's not even enough for us to walk around and just witness with words. I want you to think about this. Would everybody agree that Jesus is our example of what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to operate, how we're supposed to conduct ourselves, what our ministry is supposed to look like? And I'm not there, but I'm just saying. I just want to just throw this out here. It's not enough for me to witness the love of Jesus, even though that's amazing, right? That is the answer to all the problems. We should be operating in a gift, supernatural gift, to get the world's attention, right? Now listen, the Word says, and I'm, i got to get back on track, but I just want to throw this out there. The Word says that everyone basically has at least one gift, right? Literally says that in Scripture. Everybody good with that? Guess what else it says? Basically, that everyone has a gift of prophecy. Doesn't mean you're a prophet, but you have to get to prophecy, which means you can hear from God. To get it, he, he can let you know what's going on. So really, you got basically got two guaranteed gifts if you'll step out and operate in them. Right? And that's what we got to do. That's, that takes us back not only to receiving our benefits through the blood of Jesus, 
but to operate at that level so that the, uh, the salvation of Christ and the authority of Christ is now reaching heaven to the fullness that it should be. So when the accuser's walking around, God says, look, buddy, your time's come. My people believe what Jesus, my son, has provided for them, and your time is done. Guess what? Michael and the boys are coming down to take care of business. But we have to reach that level of authority. We got our part. Well, you know, we were created for a special purpose, each one of us. But, but collectively, as the body of Christ, we have to bring that kind, of, that kind of power and authority. So we do that through an abundant life. I love what Paul says. He says, uh, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's where we need to be, right? We've got to lay down ourselves and, and pick that up. I'm going to jump down to uh, Colossians uh, 1.20. And through God and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. The entire world. I mean, it, you know, so we're just waiting for everything to come into, into the fullness. I've got to go with John 14, 6, right? I mean, you just, that's literally where, we're, where we enter into this process. Jesus said, I am the way, truth, and life. No one come to the Father except through me. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior today, today is the day. If you're tired of um, struggling in life, trying to figure out who you are, if you're confused in who you are, uh, through Jesus, that will be clearly given to you, that definition. And so um, we need to recognize that. So what does he mean by he's the way? By grace, through his blood, right? So um, what's the truth? Well, the truth is what his word says that his blood does for us, right? Who we are. And then the life is that abundant life, that eternal life in Christ with Jesus or with the Father. So proclamation again. Lord Jesus, when I receive your blood, in it I receive your life, the life of God, divine, eternal, endless. The next thing we have is constant intercession in heaven for us, right? Jesus is our advocate. Holy Spirit's our advocate on earth, right? You realize that? So when you are kind of praying about something and you're kind of struggling, like you think like, I don't feel like I really, I don't think I really prayed like I, you know, like I want to. I don't feel like I, I don't feel like I actually um, asked the way I really, my heart wants to. Well, if you, if you uh, ask Holy Spirit, he'll pray for you. You know, if you, if you have your heavenly prayer language, start praying in it. Turn it loose. Any, anytime you're praying over something, just release, the, you know, allow Holy Spirit to pour through you for a minute. And, and let that become part of you and who you are. But what we're talking about right here, let me read this scripture, um, is we're talking about the, uh, the, the sprinkling blood of Jesus in heaven. 
So you realize that um, the throne of heaven is, is the real deal, and the tabernacle was basically a model of it, right? Everybody realize that? So, so, so what, what was constructed as the tabernacle uh, is, is literally, you know, that's, that's, that's heaven's throne. And so Jesus being our high priest sprinkled uh, blood in heaven, uh, just like the uh, Israelite high priest would every year for sins, except for his is a permanent uh, offering. So, so Jesus' blood is continually in heaven crying out for mercy and forgiveness for us. This scripture here talks about, you know, all that coming about. And then at the end it says that the Lord's blood speaks better than Abel. And what that's referring to is that uh, Abel cried out for vengeance, right? Because of what happened. But the Lord's blood, Jesus gave his life. He voluntarily uh, was our sacrifice, uh, our replacement for our sacrifice. So the proclamation, thank you, Lord, that even when I can't pray, your blood is praying for me in heaven. And then the uh, last area I want to talk about is through the blood of Jesus, we have confident access to the Holy of Holies, to, to the Lord's throne room, Right? And we need to take advantage of that. We need, to, we need to recognize that. Now listen, don't be fearful if you know you're a child of God because guess what? It's not you. It's the righteousness of Christ in you. That's why you can go there. So be bold about it. So Hebrew 4, 14 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, notice that he passed through the heavens. They didn't give him any trouble he went through there, right? I'm pretty sure they were all shrugging and hiding and bowing down and just trying to avoid uh, getting taken out. Pass through heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold firmly to our confession. Our confession of what? That Jesus is Lord, right? Hold firmly to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. But one who is being, one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let's approach the throne of grace with confidence, so we, so that we may receive mercy and grace for our help in time of need. So the fact that we're being told that Jesus understands, right? If we mess up, don't run and hide. Run to him, right? Because we're told we can go to him. There's no need to go the other way. There's no need to delay, right? Don't let the enemy tell you you're not good enough. You're born again. If you're not born again, today's the day. Hebrews 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus... By the new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us approach God with sincere hearts in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed pure with water.
That should be pretty um, encouraging, right? Pretty motivating. So the proclamation, uh, through the blood of Jesus sprinkled in heaven, I have access with confidence into the presence of God, into the house of holies. Just real quick, um, before I get off of this, I just want to mention the, the, this last portion talking about the blood of Jesus, what it does for it. I want to give credit where credit's due. This is actually from a study from Derek Prince. If anybody's a reader, uh, you might want to pick up this book. It's called Applying the Blood, and it's, it's way more in-depth than what I had time to go into. Uh, but, but just, you know. So we need to confidently step into what is ours. If you're a child of God, you're precious and holy. You were created in his image and likeness from the very beginning. We just had to go through a process to get where we were willing to surrender and become his child. Um, and, and some of us, it takes longer than others. Um, but it doesn't matter. Because, you know, and it was so funny. I, uh, in 2012, I had a, a major... Uh, God called me off the bench. I'll just put it like that. He called me off the bench and put me in the game or in the, in the war, I guess. And um, I felt like I had wasted a lot of time. And everybody kept saying, well, God could redeem time. And I heard that, but I didn't really get it. And then one day in an early morning study, the Holy Spirit read a, read a scripture to me. It said, therefore, let no man judge you of your meat or drink or your respect of the new moon, the Sabbath, or the holy day. Now, people will tell me, if you don't go to church, you can't have a relationship with God. And I honestly, I gave my life to Jesus as a kid, but I just wasn't, you know, I wasn't. He was in my life. I wasn't in his. How about that? And, and so, but when the, when the Holy Spirit read that to me, I knew instantly what it meant. You know how we talk about meat or milk from the word? He said, don't let nobody judge you how much of my word you have in you. He said, or because you basically hadn't been going to church. That redeemed my adult life. I didn't feel like I had wasted it. But you know what? And it, and it, and it kind of and it justified my relationship with the Lord. But you know what? It did even better than that. It let me get a glimpse of the boundless grace of God. I was a harder, and we all are probably, a harder judge on myself than God was being. His grace had me all along. That's what he told me. But he said, get in the game. Get busy. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this out in prayer. And I just want to reach out to anyone that doesn't know Jesus. Uh, online campus, I apologize for not addressing you earlier. I meant to welcome you in when we started. But if you're out there watching and you don't know the Lord, in here and don't know the Lord. I plead you today because we don't know what tomorrow will bring, but we do know where it's going to end up. And the fact of the matter is you're missing out on a lot of good stuff. You're missing out on abundant life if you don't know Jesus. And if you're allowing the devil to keep those lies going, the deceptions going, and got those strongholds over you, stop him. All you got to do is believe and receive. If you gave your life to Jesus, what we talked about today is your benefit package. It is your authority. It is your power. It is your ability to step into all you were meant to be, all you were created for. 
I'd like to offer for anyone that doesn't know the Lord. So if everyone would bow their heads and close their eyes, no one looking around. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, if you just slip your hand up, I'd love to pray with you. If you're online and you don't know the Lord, you can do the little text thing or the emoji thing. But today is the day. Don't let another day go by. Life's amazing. Life's amazing when you do it with Jesus. When the Lord called me into the game, so to speak, I'd been going through two months of depression. and hadn't told anybody. And man, I was getting bad. I cried out to God one night. And I actually complained for about an hour and a half what was really going on. And I was upset about the condition of the world. I was upset about division between humanity and I said Lord why don't you do something about it he said I, and I, I shut up for about two seconds right because I've been, I've been going on for an hour and a half literally I shut up for two seconds and he said loud and clear I heard him loud and clear in my head he said what do you mean what am I doing about it what are you doing about it and I, I humbled myself real quick because that was kind of scary I said yes Lord I hear you I'll start right now just tell me what to do then I had this thought in my head the enemy right I had this thought in my head but what can I possibly do? Who am I? Instantly, when that thought hit me, Holy Spirit hit me, poured out the love of Jesus in my heart. When they talk about chains falling off, I never thought no more about that depression. It, just, it was just poof, gone. And I knew what the answer was. Sharing the love of Jesus. That was what I had to do. Now to get their attention, we might need to step the game up a little bit right? Walk in that authority. Walk in that gift. But if you know the Lord today, I encourage you to dig into these words. If you don't know the Lord, dig in even harder. Uh, pull this back up. I encourage you to speak the, um, the proclamations over your life to silence the enemy, to receive that power. I'm going to tell you what, I, if I had time, we'd have been saying them together if you'd done it with me. Because when you start speaking those you can feel the influence. You can feel the difference. Our words have power. When we speak the Word of God, do you realize when we speak the Word of God out loud, we're literally releasing heaven into this atmosphere? We don't do it enough. That's why it's out of control. Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to come together in your presence today for your endless mercy and grace. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice and for your holy blood. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us, guiding us, comforting us, for your fruit, for your gifts, for being our best friend. I pray the protection of the blood of Christ upon each and every one here today, their families, those online that are listening in. I pray, Lord, your blessings upon them, your favor. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd bring Logos Rima to each and every one to speak that truth that they are searching for in your word through that commitment of a desire to find the truth. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.